Okay, so legends. We've learned first, what's the big category this week? Yes, yes, but what's, it's called what? Yes, folk narratives. Okay, so legends are one kind of folk narrative. And they are probably my favorite kind, personally. I love legends. I could teach an entire class on nothing but legends and be really, really, really happy. Folk narrative is one of my favorite classes ever. Uh, that I ever took from Dr. Saporin. So we're going to start with definitions and what things mean, which is what definitions mean. I don't know why I repeated it. It doesn't make any sense. Hey, three parts to the definition. Part one is just a legend is one kind of folk narrative. So what does that mean? Do you remember what a folk narrative is? It has to have what? It has to have a dramatic change of some kind. There has to be some kind of progression. There has to be a plot. Now, the plot doesn't have to be complicated. But it has to have something, yeah, some kind of progression. Something has to change. Good. Good. In fact, let me give you a point. Okay, second, legends are told as if they are true. So we've looked at some tall tales. The people who tell Paul Bunyan stories don't actually believe there's a giant dude with an axe wandering through the forest. Right? You, okay. The, the audience doesn't believe there's a giant dude with an axe or a big blue ox or whatever. The, this is, but legends are different. Legends are told as if they're true. The teller believes it and the audience believes it. The exception is contemporary legends. Most people call them urban legends, which are usually told as if they're probably true. I don't know about this. But my hairdresser said, that's the kind of thing that comes out. So legends are true. They're told as if true. Some of those are legends and some of those are myths. The, the, in the broad category, mythology, some are legends, some are myths. And by the end of tomorrow, it's going to be really clear which are which to you. I don't know who's first. Yeah, oh yes. Yeah, and it changes over time. If we went back in time to 1890s Brigham City and we ask about Bigfoot, we would get a very specific story that almost everyone believed. But if we told the same story today, it's changed. Like, things evolve over time and just what, what people think is true isn't, turns out just changes.
Do religions and legends have connections? That's a great question. Yes and no. We're going to talk about it in number five. <laughs> so hold that thought just a little bit. Is there a whole like, story not to, or can some of it be like based on the person that was actually here and like, something that actually happened? Yes. But more often, you end up with a tall tale. So, for example, Johnny Appleseed. Johnny Appleseed's a really, a, a really dude. A real dude. <laughs> He's a really dude. He was a real dude, and so now all the things that came from him. Or Davy Crockett. Lots of tall tales about Davy Crockett. Um, in fact, some of the stories about Davy Crockett and some of the stories about um, some other folklore figures from... U.S. history are, are the same. So yeah, it's, here's, here's the thing too. The line is not real clear. Something can be a legend and a myth, or it could be a legend based on a myth, or it could be a tall tale based on a legend. So get, these are scholarly categories. It's not like no, no one's going to stop and be like, I am going to tell you a legend now. It's a contemporary legend, so I assume this is true. You should also assume this is true, right? That's not the way. That's not the way it works. Man, you guys are asking some of the best questions. Why are you so smart? And why are you going to graduate and leave me? And then I'll get a class. That's not you guys. Yeah. It does. When someone says, have you ever heard the legend of so-and-so, a lot of times they're about to tell you a tall tale. Again, scholarly categories. So remember, we're, we're dealing with different categories. Holy cow, you guys not only ask the good questions, you ask the hard questions. But that's okay, we can handle it. Hey, here's the last part of the definition. Legends take place in normal time. That's not going to make perfect sense to you until tomorrow. Tomorrow you're going to come back to this and be like, oh, that's what he meant by normal time. So today I just need you to write it down and be like, okay, he said something. And it sounds stupid. <laughs> but it's not the first time and I'm going to trust him. Does that, does that work? Okay. Is bueno. Let's move on. Hey, legends are, this is a usual thing. Legends are usually told culture-wide. It's usually not something that just takes place within one friend group or one family. They're usually really, really broad. So it'd be like everybody. This is my picture I chose to represent everybody. Legends are usually told in third person. So number three, they're told in third person instead of what's the alternative? First person. Yeah, it's not, this happened to me. No one comes in and is like, well, in 1847, I was crossing the plains 
because those people are dead. Now, if you are telling a story about your own life, it's called a personal narrative. We're not going to talk much about personal narratives just because you have a lot of experience with them already in, Engl in English class and because I don't think they're as fun. So there you go. A personal narrative that you made up can start to circulate as a folktale. But remember, it's how it spreads. The, the thing that makes it folklore is how it spreads. Does it spread informally from person to person? So if I tell Sophie some ridiculous story about something that happened to me as a child, then it passes on to Adelaide. Then it passes. Did you really? The legend of Earl Ferguson. Reveal the part of his body that's inside the beehive. <laughs> and you just made it up. Oh, I believe. Oh, I believe you. Oh my gosh! It really came to life there for a second. Did you know Earl Ferguson? No, you just made up this thing. I think my like great grandpa played football or something like that. So, I, schools are great places for legends. Oh, yeah. We're we're gonna talk later when we talk about supernatural legends about some of the hauntings. Like the Indian school. I like the Indian school. Yeah. So hold that hold that thought for a minute. But the best example I can think of is the school colors thing that we've used as an example yeah. before. Right? Yeah, that, that are, you guys have, let me tell you the whole story. First, this one actually isn't true, so it's not a legend uh, in this case, because first, it's not informally spreading, it's formally spreading, because I'm here, in this case, your instructor, and so uh, this is a formal circumstance. Uh, but I'm also not telling this as a true story, but most people in town believe this. Okay, the story goes like this. When Box Elder first got its colors, like when we first decided to order our uniforms, we were the bees. And so our colors were black and yellow, or black and gold. Makes sense, like a bee is. So we ordered our uniforms from the same company at the same time as Roy High. Roy High, the Roy High Royals, apparently I still have some illness in me because I can't say royal, the Roy High Royals were going to have purple and white because those are royal colors. The unicorn, the unicorn, <laughs> holy cow, the uniform company screwed them up and put all of Box Elder's stuff 
on Roy High's thing and then sent them to us with the purple and white. And they sent all of all of the stuff from Box Elder with the gold and black to Roy. And so since it was so expensive and such a thing, we just decided that we would switch our school colors to purple and white. This is the story. Most of, how, first, how many of you have heard of this story before? Hey, that's not how you heard it. How did you, how did you hear it? Do, do you realize why Emmy's comment's so great? Because what, what do folklorists study? Yeah, change in variation. So she heard a different variant of the story. That's awesome. That, like, that's, that's stupendous. That's part of what makes that comment even better. Now, do you guys, I've told you the truth of this, haven't I? Oh, I had a TA. And my TAs do nothing. Like, being a TA for me is a huge waste of time. Uh, you mostly just sit and play on the computer or write books or do your homework or, I don't know, is that fair? Sometimes you grade stuff like once a week. Yeah, so Eliza's my TA this trimester. Poor, poor person. So I was doing this research project on the school colors, so I had my TA last year go through a bunch of old newspapers, and, and I went through a bunch too, and we found why Box Elder is purple and white. Originally, Box Elder was founded as Brigham City High School. We only had a ninth and a 10th grade. And for if you wanted to finish high school, which was more prestigious back then than it is now, and much more rare, you had to either go down to Ogden on the train every day, or you had to do what they called the high school course at the university. So you'd go to Utah State or you'd go more likely to University of Utah and you would take the high school course and you'd finish there. And that was what you did. So they decided that they wanted to have a real high school that offered all of the courses all the way through high school. So Brigham City High School became Box Elder High School. And so in 1905, we're cruising out, everything's lovely, our colors were red and white. But they decided they didn't want them to stay red and white because they were the same as University of Utah's. They did not record why they switched them to purple and white, but purple is kind of a royal color and is kind of a party color. It's also kind of a funeral color back then, but hopefully that wasn't what they were thinking. It didn't seem to fit with the attitude. So they had this big unveiling, this big party. They hung a bunch of purple banners from like a hay uh, wagon thing. And they paraded through town with their new colors and had this whole thing. That's why we're purple and white. And we have been since 1905, and Roy High wasn't built until the 1960s. Oh, well, that way it Plus, honestly, if we got a bunch of unicorn, unicorns, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not okay, clearly. If we got a bunch of uniforms uh, that were the wrong color, what would we do? We just send them back. Yeah, it's not our problem. It's not our fault, you do this again. So, not to mention that back then they also had more than one team, just like we have now. So what does the baseball team do when they got the right uni uniforms? Yeah, You're gonna mock me forever for this, aren't you? 
It's just unicorns. I thought I was all the way better. <laughs> oh, you're so mean. Maybe if I do, yeah, you might be right. Hey, so, good. I told you it would be a fun class today. Hey, next, legends are migratory. They do travel. So, Roy, guess what story they tell about the school colors that we switched. They tell that same story. But this is better. So here's, here's the story. They don't tell this one around here. But the story is that some people, maybe, depends on where you are, it could be a school bus full of children, or it might just be a car full of teenagers. Their car or bus got stalled on the railroad tracks. And the train came, and the children were killed. Years later, a similar thing happened. Another bus came up and got stalled on the same tracks. The bus driver was desperate. He didn't know what to do. He finally just put it in neutral and started to go out. He could push it out of the way and save the kids. When he started, though, once it went into neutral, all of a sudden, the bus started to move forward as if it was being pushed. And when they went out, when they were safe on the other side, they found tiny little handprints as if the children had been pushing the bus. This is actually a very common legend. It occurs in a place in Ohio. It occurs in Michigan. It occurs all over the country. They tell this story. Um, so it travels. Same story, different place. We have one of the most common stories we have passing now is the, the attempted kidnapping at the Walmart parking lot. I went out and this guy was there and he was super creepy and he was, and so it happened here and it happened in, I almost said in Perry's Walmart, but that doesn't, <laughs> same Walmart. It happened in Ogden and it happened in Salt Lake and it happened in, happens all over the place. You know, part of that story is ostension and we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, but good, they move. Yeah. So could a legend, could, could it be considered a legend in some settings and vice versa in others, like depending on whether the people believe it or not? Yeah, so it could be a folktale in some settings and a legend in others because it might be told in one group as the truth and in, an, in another as just a fairy tale. Absolutely. Hey, um, this is five. Legends can be either secular or sacred. What does that mean? What does secular mean? Not religious. And what does sacred mean? Very religious. Okay, so whether the legend takes place in a church is considered somewhat holy so if you have uh, an ancestor who allegedly visited the Pope, this, is, uh, this may be a sacred story in your family. But you might have another ancestor who got drunk and murdered their neighbor. That is a secular story. 
Hopefully that's not a sacred story in your family. If it is, your family needs some serious therapy. <laughs> You've got issues there in your family. Okay, folklorists don't care whether the story is true or not. When most people say, oh, that's just an urban legend, what they mean is that's false. It's not true. Folklorists don't care if it's false or true. It doesn't matter. What matters to them is does it circulate? Do people tell it? And if people tell it, what does it mean to the people that tell it? So the folklorist doesn't ask questions like, hey, wait a minute. Did, did anyone actually get killed on the bus at this railroad track? Instead, the folklorist just cares, hey, why would they tell this story in this community? Yeah. Yes. Variation matters a whole bunch. So how, to what degree the audience believes it, that matters a lot. But the, the websites that deal with urban legends or contemporary folk tales is what a folklorist would use, that's not, they don't care. Like, like the, the folklorist doesn't sit and be like, well, this is true. Oh, this isn't. That said, most urban legends aren't. And so... Let's look at some others, and let's see if you can come up with a, with a story. There's a few themes in there that I don't want to talk about also. Okay, <laughs> uh, different categories, different, different types. I'm going to give them to you real fast, then we're going to talk about each. Again, these are scholars' categories. It's not like people stop and are like, I'm going to tell you a legend. It's going to be a supernatural legend but it's also going to be a historical legend. Now, let us commence. Hey, again, supernatural, historical, and contemporary. And these aren't all the kinds, they're just my favorite kinds. So get, get that, of course, this is gonna be taught by me I only have like 50 days to go through everything. That's not enough time. So I'm going to do the stuff that I like best. Hey, let's start with the supernatural legends. Things like ghost stories, hauntings. Okay, so let's, let's answer this question. What supernatural legends occur around here? Um, I think so. I don't know that one. If you're there. Yes, good, good. Oh, Crybaby Bridge, that's perfect. How many of you know that one? The Crybaby, not that many? Do you want to tell us about it, or do you want to have someone else do it? Okay. Do you? 
No one else does? Okay, so there's this bridge out by Bear River City, right? Bridge out where a mother drowned her baby is the way that I'd heard it. Oh, the car crashed and the baby was in the back seat and the baby drowned. And so if you go there late at night, you can hear the baby crying. Is that close or? Oh, that's super interesting. So the version that you knew is different than the one that I knew, because the one I knew, because I'm old, so it doesn't involve phones. But in yours, you leave your phone, and then you get the stuff recorded on your phone. You hear the baby crying. Huh. Again, folklorists don't ask. But <laughs> what, what is that? Wow, shoot, we haven't done the analysis bit. Hey, skip down. Hold on just a sec. We'll come to you. Skip down to question. Why did I put this last? 17. I shouldn't have put 17 last. I should have put it first. Okay, folklorists study legends because they want to know, well, when they see what's circulating, among people, they want to know why it circulates. Why does it keep being told? Remember we learned about structural functionalism? If the story is being told, it's being told because somebody has a reason. Uh, it, it's fulfilling some function inside the society. Now what functions does it fill? This I want you to, to note here. Uh, this is super important, like put a star by this one, because you're going to want to refer back to this. Um, it always fulfills the function, uh, it fulfills others too, but it reveals what people are hopeful for or afraid of. So in the case of the crying baby, we have a fear. You, you have no idea until you have a kid how much you fear for your kid's future. It's like they rip out part of your heart and it wanders around. And in the case of my 10-year-old, does stupid things. And you just worry. Like, that's why old people lose their hair and get wrinkles. It's because of you people. Part of their heart is always with you, worrying about your success and your happiness. And so that's... So with the drowned baby, there, there's this fear. What are we scared of? We're scared of the safety of our children. And that's, that says that that's why that comes. There's one of the reasons, at least. So watch. We are, of course, oversimplifying this, right? Because we don't have that much time. Well, yes, yes. Say that again. It's a fear that they are going to die and get stuck there. They want to move past it. Right? The point of the hospital is you go there, you get better, and you leave. Yeah. So that's the thing. It, it's the same thing with, with school-based legends. If you have a school haunting, there's one of those, you're supposed to leave. You're supposed to graduate and move on. 
And so there's a fear of being stuck forever. You juniors are probably feeling that right now, right? Like the seniors are getting excited to leave. The juniors are like, is this ever going to end? No. See, then you get, you get to the point that you're like scared. Okay, Eliza, thank you for waiting. Oh, good question. Can you think of a hopeful supernatural legend? In, in Utah folklore, we have some special stories called Three Nephite Stories. So in uh, the Latter-day Saint cosmology, in their belief system in the ancient world, there were these people called the Nephites, and three of them were promised that they could stay and like help people. And so it's not as common now as it used to be, but times at Utah State, there's this whole... State, by the way, is one of the top folklore schools in the country. Like, I don't know if you knew that. Our, they have an archive in their special collections called the Fife Folklore Archive. That's one of the greatest archives in the United States, in the world, really. Like, it's a, it's a world-class university for this. No, that's something else. Yeah, so um, lots of three Nephites rescued me stories happen. So, yes, there are positive supernatural stories. I was rescued by someone. My grandmother appeared to me and warned me about this thing. Uh, stories like that appear. And yes, they fall under supernatural because they're not, that's not natural for your deceased grandmother to appear. I don't care if my grandma walks into me. I won't be scared. <laughs> Nobody better be coming to me. <laughs> Yes. Yep. Those are legends. It could, yes. The way it's told in that is positive. No, Will of the Wisps lead you into the swamp where you get drowned and die. You don't follow Will of the Wisps. You, uh, you don't. So in Irish folklore, you're next. You can, you can rest your arm. Sorry, Courtney. Um, in Irish folklore, you don't go outside like, I go outside and my stupid dog, I told you about my dog, right? I love my dog so much. She's so soft and fluffy. Her name's Winnie. She's evil. <laughs> She's really evil. She's a border collie, a poodle mix. Both of those breeds are super hyper and they're both super smart. You do not want a smart dog. You want a dumb dog. Right? So I go outside, I'm like, dog, dog, come here. You would never do that because the fae, F-A-E, in Irish folklore, the Fae have names like dog, cat, cow. And if you go out and you yell, hey, dog, come here, you've just invited one of the Fae to come into your house. They will take you into their home. If you're foolish enough to eat anything, then you stay there forever as their servant. Is it good food? I <laughs> <laughs> 
tonight Easton vanishes. <laughs> some some fairies listening. And, I didn't tell you this story yesterday because I wasn't here. Hansel and Gretel's a different one. So it's a fairy tale. They didn't assume that it was true, but it has the same thing. Back in that time, the woods were scary. They were full of wolves. They were dangerous. They were, and so you tell your, your children these stories to keep them safe. Don't go in the woods because there's a witch that will eat you. <laughs> and you wonder why kids are messed up now instead of then. I don't know. Yeah. I've been down there. It is pretty. It's pretty scary. It is. It's true. Okay. Tomorrow we start with this story. <laughs>